coming up on this week's episode of the Life After 30 podcast, a diet progress update, all about a pig out that I had, some immediate interventions to stop yourself from having one of those reckless eating binges, and how to stay motivated after you do overeat. Let's get started. Thank you for joining me today. This is the Life After 30 podcast, and I am your host, Joey Hernandez. I have been a personal trainer and diet coach for over 30 years. Together each week, we will explore the joys of aging. And yes, I said the joys of aging, because that is truly what it can be. Please join me as we discuss our health, diet, weight loss, fitness, and many other topics as we move through the decades of our lives. We may be getting older, but we ain't going down without a fight. Howdy, 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 folks. How you doing? I'm recording this on Friday, September 25th. Now, I told you way back at the start of the Human Construction Site podcast that I was going to be completely honest with you. If you listen to other diet and fitness podcasts, you most likely are going to hear some great factual information and some motivation to keep you going. But what I've seen in the industry over the years is a certain degree of elitism that exists amongst personal trainers. The more popular personal trainers are almost thought of as demigods. You see them in gyms and health clubs throughout the world. The very top echelon of trainers have books, television appearances, and viral videos. But not coincidentally, you always see them at their very best. But after 30 years in this business, I've seen the underbelly of the training industry. What you see presented to you is often an illusion, because almost all trainers that I've known have their own deep, dark secrets of how they live life outside of what you see as their appearance. Now, I'm not going to say that there are no trainers that live their lifestyle as they present themselves, because in the world of bodybuilding competition, perfected diets and great training techniques are often a way of life for those that wish to be the most successful. But for the majority of personal trainers who make their livings working in gyms and health clubs across this country and the world, they struggle with many of the same issues that befall us all. So with my decision to be honest with you, as we started the 10-week weight loss diet, I told you that I would tell you about my successes and my struggles. And this week... I will discuss a personal bump in the road that I had, what became the ending result because of that misstep, and the solution that I'm going to use to try not to let it happen again as I move forward. My name is Joey Hernandez, and this is Diet Talk, the 76th episode of the Life After 30 podcast.
So as I mentioned, I'm taping this on Friday, September 25th. If you had started the weight loss diet, the 10-week period that we started on Tuesday, September 8th, which was the day after Labor Day, we're now two and a half weeks into this 10-week cycle. And for me personally, I had told you that I was the first half of it, the first five weeks, was going to be especially important for me because I'm getting married on Saturday, October 17th. So I wanted to lose a certain amount of weight and body fat in that first five-week period. And then I was going to kind of coast a little bit easier on the second half of the 10 weeks. Well, we're now two and a half weeks into this. My starting weight was 179 pounds and my starting body fat was 21.5%. And that is through electrical impedance measurement. So it contains subcutaneous and visceral fat. Now, one week into the diet, which was Tuesday, September 15th, exactly one calendar week, I was down to 176 pounds. So I lost three pounds in that first week. That's not unusual because of water loss. You tend to drop the most in the first couple of weeks, and then you tend to slow down. But I had a little bit of a problem this past Saturday night on the 19th. Things have been going fine. I had been working out nicely. I had been dieting very well. I've been using the sauna a lot at the gym that I go to just because of the longevity and the cardiovascular benefits that we talked about in the uh, podcast that talked about sauna for longevity. And uh, my skin was doing great because of using the sauna and going in and out of the cold and hot environments, cleared out my pores, was tightening my skin nicely. I was doing cardiovascular work And everything was pretty much on point. The one thing that I will say that I've had a major problem with since this started is because of my heart valve problem, my cardiologist has put me onto a medication that slows down my heart rate. So therefore, because my heart rate is slowed down, so is my metabolism. And the fact that I'm now 57 compared to in my 20s, when I did my big 83-pound weight loss, metabolism is fighting me. And, and we've talked a lot about that, how the more you diet, the more you yo-yo diet, especially as you age, your body's just going to fight you more and more. So I don't have that yo-yo dieting issue, but because of my heart valve and this medication that slows down my heart rate, I find it very hard on cardiovascular equipment to get my heart rate up high enough to truly be burning my fat. I should be up somewhere around the 130 beats per minute, and because of this medication, it seems I can't exceed 115 no matter how hot I try. Because of this congenital heart valve problem I've had, as well as the fact that my family has a great history of cardiovascular disease. Great as in a lot, not great as in, oh, that's great. We've had a lot of cardiovascular disease in our family. But my cardiologist tells me that even though I'm on this medication and I can only get up to about 115, that that's just fine. I just need to plunge away, do it probably a little bit longer than I normally would because my heart rate can't get up as high 
as it should be for a person my age. So, you know, that's all coming together. That whole picture of what I should be doing was going really well. What I didn't expect was the amount of stress that has been building in me because of my wedding coming up. There's been just so many plans to do. And here I am at age 57, never been married, never gone through this before. And it's just unexpected and it's extremely stressful. Now, I'm just having a small wedding, mind you. This is not a big, huge wedding. It's a wedding for about 60 to 70 people. For people that have these big, huge weddings of 200, 300 people, and you've got the rental hall, and you've got the band, and bless all of you for going through that and being able to survive it, especially the women that it seems to fall on you all, right? You're the ones that seem to have to do the majority of planning, Often your parents are involved also in it, and the groom just kind of, yes, dear, whatever you want, dear, that's fine, dear. But let me tell you, just even in this small wedding, the, the stress level is, is pretty high. A big part of it is because we have friends and family coming from Mexico and arranging for visas and places for them to stay and, and all this craziness. Um, it just has raised my stress level and I didn't even realize that it was happening until the big moment came. So I'll set you up by saying that I started this out at 179 and then I dropped down in the first seven days, the first week, I dropped down to 176 pounds. So that would mean in the next four weeks leading up into my wedding, that I would have to drop down about another seven pounds. And that was completely doable. No problem whatsoever. I generally drop a good two pounds per week. It was going to be a nice, easy coast into the wedding and being exactly at the weight that I wanted to be. So then the stress hit me last weekend. And it's not unusual for me that when I do get overstressed, which is not very often. I, I meditate a lot. I'm a very calm person the majority of the time. I'm a little bit anal retentive and a little bit OCD, but for the most part, I'm a pretty calm person and I can handle most things very well. But leading into this with so many different of the details coming at me and so many people asking questions, what about this? And what about this? And what about that? And what about that? And uh, it hit me to the point where Last Saturday, I just had such a stressful day of being out and getting stuff for the reception and trying to coordinate um, the different tuxes and the fact that I had bought some vests to wear for the groomsmen and uh, just a bunch of crap. And I'm not drinking in 2015. If you've been with me for a while, you might know that as of last New Year's Eve, when I was in Iceland for New Year's Eve, I decided I was not going to drink for 2015. I've done that before. I've done it for a year at a time from New Year's to New Year's. I've done it for two years before from New Year's to two New Year's away. So I knew that this one year wasn't going to be bad for me. And I just like to do it to give my body a nice cleanse to make sure that I can stop for that period. I think that's really important. 
I don't drink a lot, but I certainly want to make sure that I never get to the point where I can't stop when I want to. So, so I took 2015 off, and when I made that pledge and I made that promise, I didn't really think about the fact that I was going to get married in October and that leading into that was going to be stressful. Just never occurred to me. Just literally never occurred to me the first half year or so moving into 2015. So I came to a point last Saturday where something had to give. Um, I had been training. I had been sleeping right. I've been getting to the gym, doing cardiovascular, doing weightlifting, dieting properly, doing my podcasts, getting my clients all to where they want to be. And because I had a stressful day last Saturday, that after I finished my regular meals, which are on the weight loss program that I outlined for you in the podcast called The Diet, I had eaten my first five meals. So I'd had my breakfast just fine. I had a snack between breakfast and lunch. Then I had my lunch. Then I had a snack between lunch and dinner. And I had my dinner. And so that meant all as I was going to do was going to finish the day with a piece of fruit and a half a yogurt. That was my plan. But something inside of me <laughs> took over. And I can't explain it. I've... I don't think I've ever quite encountered this craziness that happened with me. And I wasn't under the influence of alcohol or anything. I haven't been drinking. So I had done my meal. I was going through some paperwork for the wedding with uh, the church and with the minister who gave us this uh, compatibility personality test thing that I thought was very weird. But um, we had to complete that and fax it to the minister. So I was, I was doing that and I just suddenly got this craving for food. And normally I would say, oh, well, that's great. You know, it's time now. I'll go have my half a yogurt and I'll have my fruit and that's going to satisfy me. But that's not what happened. I had those and then probably within a few minutes, no more than two minutes, Without thinking, specifically without thinking, because I remember saying to myself, don't even think about this, just do it. And I had this craziness where I ended up making two English muffins that were toasted. One of them had goat cheese and blueberry preserves on it. The other one had Benacol margarine and cinnamon sugar on it. And I chowed those down together in about three minutes, standing at the kitchen counter. I didn't even let myself bring a plate back to a table or even into the room where the TV is. I literally just stood at the kitchen counter, shoveling this food into me. And then, without thinking even more, I have these low-sugar popsicles, which I have frozen. Sometimes I make my own, and I'm going to talk to you uh, eventually about how to go about making your own very healthy fruit popsicles that do not have any sugar in them. But I had bought um, some diet popsicles. I'm not a fan of doing that, but the summer was so hot that I wanted to make sure that I had something that I could um, eat that was icy 
that wasn't ice cream or sherbet, something that I could eat on the really hot, hot days. So these were left over from July and August in the freezer. And I pulled out one and chowed it down. And then I pulled out another and chowed it down. And I ended up pulling out two more and chowing them down. So at this point, I've not only had my regular sixth meal, which was on my weight loss program, just great, but I had these two kinds of English muffins and four diet popsicles. Now, I'm not a big fan of diet food. I've told you that before. I don't like the chemicals in them. I don't like the fact that when you pull out um, fat, you ended, the companies end up putting more sugar in. I don't like the fact that when they pull out sugar, they put in other chemicals that kind of make you taste like sugar. So they're not the healthiest, certainly, but they're generally about um, 80 or 90 calories, which is great. Unless you eat four of them <laughs> in the course of like, so in like a course of 15 minutes, I managed to shovel all this food into me. And I wasn't hungry. I didn't do it because I was hungry. I did it for the taste of the food. I did it mindlessly and I did it in a destructive way. And the reason I talk about this is it's very important that we realize what we do and why we do it. And I know that this is not the common way that I eat. In fact, I felt really awful physically and mentally, but physically certainly, after I finished all this food. But I needed the taste. I needed the comfort of these sweet things like the cinnamon sugar and the, the blueberry preserves and goat cheese. So I it was like feeding a frenzy. And I've never encountered that before. And then so after that amount of time, I had finished all this food. I was feeling awful. And I have to say, it, it occurred to me for about one half second of, oh my God, I should go in and stick my finger down my throat and throw all this up. And then that's when I went, whoa, 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 that's like bulimia. You don't want to do that, right? It was a big wake-up call for me. In fact, this entire round of dropping body fat has been a wake-up call for me because I've not had to do it for so many years. I had lost the 83 pounds when I was young. I had kept my weight within about a 20-pound um, gain of body fat during this time. Um, it went well with the musculature I had, so I looked good, but I had that visceral body fat, the body fat that is underneath the muscles that pad your core and go around your organs that can be so dangerous. I really needed to diet my body fat down. And uh, I wanted to be able to wear like a between a 28 and a 30 waist on my wedding day. I normally wear 32. I wanted it to be a little bit better than that. Um, and I think I probably expected too much of myself based on all of the other stress factors that were coming into this that I didn't expect. And when you, when you don't have the ability to anticipate something, it's really hard to 
plan of how you're going to deal with it when it pops up. And it's my own fault. I should have known. I've seen enough TV shows to know the craziness that goes on with weddings. I just didn't know that it will, I was going to internalize it so much and that it was going to result in this uncontrollable need for sweetness. And I'm not usually, if, if I'm going to go off a regular healthy eating plan and I'm going to indulge myself, I would rather have something like mashed potatoes or macaroni and cheese or um, a baked stuffed potato. I would rather have that than cake or an ice cream sundae or candy or a candy bar. I'm generally not a person that likes sweet things. I generally like um, more bountiful, heavier, heavier food, um, which has been good in that I don't eat a lot of sugar, but it's bad in that those things often have the excessive fat and calories in them. So I had this need for this sweetness, and I just piled it in me, and I probably ate... I'm thinking between 1,500 and maybe even as high as 1,700 calories in that small window of about a half an hour. Never mind the fact that I had eaten all my other meals that day on point. They were all good. But when you add it then to all these excessive calories I had in the evening, it totally blew me off for the diet for that day. So... I wasn't feeling great the next day, certainly. I, my stomach was a bit upset. Um, mindfully, I wasn't happy that this happened to me, but I knew that it was going to be a learning experience. I, you know, I thought, well, okay, here I am now, two and a half years from the age of 60, and I'm learning that the things that I preach, the things that I talk about become even more applicable to myself as I age. And that no matter how good of a lifestyle, no matter how healthy of a lifestyle we live, we're really only one meal away from encountering something that is going to throw us off our plan. One meal, I've said this before, one meal off of a diet plan is not something that's going to cause you to gain weight. It just doesn't happen. If you're able to go back on your diet just perfectly fine after that one big meal, then you are going to stave off any weight gain from that. However, what is going to happen to you is exactly what happened to me. I was 176 on Tuesday the 15th, I had my pig out on Saturday the 19th, and then my last weigh-in that I just did, which was Tuesday the 22nd, after a one-week period, I was still 176. I had not dropped anything. And I was perfect on my diet other than that one big pig out. So, what I want you to take away from this and what I need to drill into my own mind and take away from this is that when we do have these things happen, it's so easy to say, well, you know what? I've been good all this week. I deserve this one meal. I deserve the right to have this because I've been so good. And yeah, as I, 
if you are on maintenance, if you have gotten to the weight you want to be at and you're continuing to eat healthy and you want to indulge yourself on one meal of, of things that aren't the healthiest for you and are a little bit extreme, go for it. You can do that and then go back to healthy eating right after. And you can continue to do that. But when you're trying to lose weight and reduce your body fat, just one thing like this one hour of my life, this one hour of my life messed up the seven days of my life. I did not drop any additional weight or body fat for that week because of that meal. And it has to be because of that meal because I had been on point the rest of the time. And I had been doing cardiovascular and I had been lifting, but not super heavy. I didn't want to build so much muscle that I was not going to see my weight dropping on the weight scale. I would see my body fat come down, certainly. But if you want to see the scale number, the body weight of yourself, which can be an important psychological factor, it can be very important to see what that is, to make sure that you're seeing that number drop. And I needed to see that going into my wedding. And I messed it up for myself by doing this. So what I'm taking away from this is certainly the knowledge that at 57, losing body fat is not going to be as easy as a 20-year-old when I did it before. 20-year-old, you know, you can... You can um, have a glass of water, go to the bathroom, and you've lost five pounds. <laughs> That's just the way it works. Your metabolism is so fast. And because at my age, my metabolism has naturally slowed down, and then you throw in the metropolol, which is the medication that slows down my heart rate, I'm doomed. <laughs> it doesn't mean I can't lose weight perfectly fine, but it means that I have to be extra careful of any deviation on it at all. And I would strongly suggest that for all of you. If you're doing a finite period like these 10 weeks, you've really got to be careful and monitor yourself closely that you don't do one of these deviations. Because chances are it's not going to make you gain weight, but there's a very good chance that it's going to prevent you from dropping for a one-week period. And when you only have 10 weigh-ins and you're only doing it for 10 weeks, that matters. You can't afford a week out of the 10, one out of 10, not dropping if you want to lose your weight properly. So the solutions that I'm going to suggest are solutions that I sat down and wrote out for myself that I put on my refrigerator. These are things we've talked about before, but I just really needed to see it, write it out, and read it each time to make sure that that's doesn't happen because now I only have three weeks before my wedding and I still want to get down like seven more pounds. And now that's going to be a bit difficult. I don't want to over diet to the point where I'm not having enough food to sustain my working out and sustain my feeling good and sustain my energy as I move closer to the wedding. So the things that I wrote down that I put on my refrigerator... Number one, eat more slowly. Put my fork and knife down on the table after every few bites. This is so important. 
So many people gobble down food. I was telling you, I was standing at the counter. I wasn't even bothering to put it onto a plate and put it on the table and to sit down. I was just feeding myself like I was a machine, feeding it into me. So by eating slowly, putting your fork and knife down after every few bites, sit back, breathe a little bit, maybe have a conversation with who you're eating with, have a nice sip of water, and then go back to eating. Because it takes a little while for when something goes into your stomach for your brain to register, oh yes, we're less hungry than we were before. If you eat quickly, it takes a while for your brain to catch up with that. The second thing is to use the 80% rule that I just talked about in the Blue Zone podcast, which was the last podcast, about how in Okinawa, Japan, they have an 80% rule that you stop when you're 80% full, knowing that it takes a little while for the food to be digested, a little while for you to get that full feeling from your stomach up into your brain. By stopping at 80%, you're going to coast up to that 100% full. But if you continue to eat when you're at 80%, you're going to exceed the 100%, which means you're going to have overeaten. So I'm going to use that 80% rule. Another one, don't eat in front of the TV. That's a big mistake that I have made. Sometimes when you live by yourself and you just cook, you want a little company or at least something in the background, the better thing for me to do, for all of us to do probably, is to sit, play some nice, quiet music, enjoy the evening, eat slowly. Instead of sitting in front of the television, paying attention to the show or the movie that's on, and just shoveling food in mindlessly, not even understanding the amount of food that you're eating. Half the time, not even really tasting the food because your concentration is elsewhere. Drink a full glass of water before dinner and a full glass after dinner. Water is important. I told you how I'm striving to have a gallon of water per day. It started because of a video that I saw a while ago about a woman that tried an experiment for 30 days to see what drinking a gallon of water would do. And what happened was her skin improved. Her face filled out more where there was some sagging and wrinkles. She looked younger. She felt younger. I guess she probably went to the bathroom more often. (laughs) And I'm expecting that. Uh, But my body's kind of adjusted to it at this point, I think. But having that glass of water, especially after dinner, before you make any decisions to eat beyond what you've already eaten, having that full glass of water and giving yourself a few minutes of digestion sometimes will take away that need to continue to eat. In fact, wait a full hour after the last drink of water before I eat any kind of last meal or snack. So if I had my regular dinner, which is on my program, I've drank my big glass of water, I've sat back, I've rested, maybe I get my mind on something at that point, like watching television or doing something on the computer, or taping a podcast, or exercising, getting my mind on something else, and then after an hour after I had that last big glass of water, Then I'm going to evaluate, hmm, maybe this is the time now to have that sixth final meal, that half a yogurt and fruit. 
but I give myself that amount of time first to let everything digest. And when I feel an emotional pull to food, like I felt, there was an emotional need last Saturday night for me, which was a stress reaction to what was happening, I'm going to find an activity to occupy myself. Now, for me, one of the things that has always carried me through, it, it was effective big time when I lost the 83 pounds. I was living by myself down Cape Cod. And what I would do is I would go for an evening walk. And you can do this year round. I've done it in snowstorms. It's kind of cool to do it in snowstorms. I've done it on rainy nights. It's nice when it's raining as well. So I go for a nice slow walk. Sometimes I'll even do a little bit of exercise when I walk. I might do a little bit of sprinting. I might do a little jog, walk, jog, walk. I might stop and do some abdominal contractions. And I just kind of unwind. I take in the environment, the, the nice night air. Sometimes I'll have a podcast or music playing in my ear. So I have a little bit of company while I'm doing my walk. And I haven't done that this round. I'm going to start doing it again now that I've had this bump last Saturday night. And I think that the thing that is most dangerous when you have this kind of attack, this kind of food binge, the biggest danger is what it does to you psychologically. It's so easy to go back and think, oh my God, I've been bad. I'm a loser. Oh great, I'm failing again. And then what happens is it leads you to just continue that, that self-destructive binge kind of eating. You think, well, screw it. I've already messed it up. What's, what's a pizza going to do? I might as well have a pizza while I, I can eat. And then you know what? I'm going to get donuts from Dunkin' Donuts tomorrow morning. And then I'm going to get all that out of the way. And then I'm going to start back on my diet on Monday. And we know from history that that often doesn't happen. We don't get back on the program like we really need to. Because by then we've already convinced ourselves, oh, we've done three days of bad eating. I can't undo that. So I might as well give up. And that's why trying to understand that we're human that we are going to make errors, that we are going to have these little bumps, it's natural. If we are a person that has loved the taste of food and has used food as an emotional satisfaction for us, it's ridiculous to think that we're never going to have the times when we're a little bit weak because of stress or illness or something going on in a relationship or family and that we're drawn back to that food, at least for one meal. It's unrealistic, unrealistic to think that that doesn't happen. And when I talked about how the personal trainers often present the very best of themselves, I know so many trainers in these last 30 years that have had bulimia, that have had anorexia, that have excessively used marijuana and alcohol and crystal meth and all kinds of things yet to look at them they're the picture of health and you don't hear the bad stuff you only see what is presented to you so already you're thinking oh i can't live up to that person 
My trainer tells me to do this and that, but I'm never going to be as good as my trainer. You know, my trainer's got their life together. I don't. Trust me, your trainer probably doesn't have their life together <laughs> any more than you do. They might know some secrets. They might know some things to tell you to do. It's so much easier to tell someone else how they should live their life than it is for you to live yours that way. <laughs> and here's an example. I'm doing, I'm doing a podcast telling you how you should do things. But at the same time, I've struggled with these same issues. But I, I'd like to think that the things that I've learned that I can pass on to you will show you that you're not alone, that I'm not anywhere above you in my, you know, in my physical fitness or my nutrition. You know, I know what should be done. I know some of these things that we can help conquer our problems, but I'm by no means perfect. And if you think that any trainer that you see on television or anywhere is, is living such a perfect lifestyle, chances are, trust me, they're not doing that. So by realizing that we're human and we're going to make this mistake and we don't beat ourselves up, we can start again the next day. And again, psychologically, it's important to not think of it as starting over, but continuing from the point where we were and moving forward. Again, that's an important point. If you continually think, oh, I'm starting over, I'm starting over, all you're going to keep doing is, well, I only get so far and then I have to stop and start over again. I get another little bit and I have to stop and start over again. No, 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 you don't. You just have to continue from the point where you were. Just because you made a slight error in judgment or you let your emotions take hold, which is human, it doesn't mean you're starting over. So I'm hoping by sharing this information of what happened to me, it can be a lesson learned for you. I'm not kidding when I tell you that one meal can mess up an entire week for you. So as you run into your conflicts, keep in mind that you're human and that you can get through it by using some of these tools. I'm going to leave it there. I am going to ask that you do tune in next time because there is a podcast. I'm not even going to tell you the subject because I have too much of a history of not doing it on time. But the subject I'm working on is going to be very important. Please do check in next week with that. Meanwhile, I would love you to subscribe to the podcast. You can do so on iTunes by hitting subscribe. You can also rate the podcast or leave a comment if you'd like to on iTunes. I would love you forever for doing that. And if you listen through the blog, there's different ways that you can subscribe via your email or via a reader. So please do so subscribe, then you're going to be with me every single week as we move through this weight loss period and then through the holidays and hitting the new years running for 2016. My YouTube channel will be up and running in a few weeks. Please look for that. The channel name is going to be Personal Trainer Joey, and I will tell you more about that as it comes. Meanwhile, if you want to contact me for any comments or questions, my email is personaltrainerjoey at gmail.com. I'll leave you there, folks. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Bye now.
Hey folks, Joey Hernandez here of the Human Construction Site Podcast, and this is a pre-recorded disclaimer that I'm going to insert into each episode of the podcast. So please give me just a moment of your listening time and listen to this disclaimer. First of all, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Human Construction Site Podcast. I hope that the information that you receive from the podcast is unique and useful to you in your quest to live a healthier and more vibrant life. I have been a personal trainer for over 30 years. This podcast and the Human Construction Site blog that it is tied to are based on my opinions and my experience working with clients all these years. I am not, 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 not a doctor. I ask that any and all information that you receive from me, as well as anywhere else on the internet, or on TV, or on websites, books, wherever the source, that you discuss that and review it with your personal physician before implementing any kind of lifestyle changes. Your doctor knows you best. He or she knows your personal medical history, knows your medications, your family's history, and together you with your physician should have a dialogue to ensure that any changes are right for you. So please, 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 please consult your doctor. Thank you. Mm-hmm.